Thanks for listening to the Seeds Church Podcast. If you're in Middle Tennessee, we'd love to have you join us in person for one of our services. Check out SeedsChurchTN.com for times and locations. Now, here's our lead pastor, J.D. Swilly. Well, today is the day, everybody. We're wrapping up this series called Rooted. (laughs) You know, it's only been eight parts, but we started it like in September, you know, because we've had other things that have, you know, been interspersed in between. But um, before we dive into this last part today, let's uh, pray together. Oh, Heavenly Father, we just put our gaze and our attention and our focus on you right now. And we ask you to increase our scope of the greatness of who you are. Increase our awareness of your character. And we ask you also to help us see ourselves the way that you see us. We truly do want to be rooted and grounded in you, God, because we want to bear the much lasting fruit that you've destined for us. So as we listen to your word today, I pray that our ears are open to what you're saying to us, Holy Spirit, that we would not let it just go in one ear and out the other, but we would take it and we would hide that word in our hearts. We'd plant it deep within our hearts that it would take root. And God, I I thank you that we don't have to just do this as individuals, God, but we get to do it together in community. We get to do it together in this church family, God. Is um, the, the picture I'm thinking of right now is like aspen trees, God. Aspen trees don't just grow up one at a time. They grow up in groves. The root system is vast and intertwined and connected, and they, they live off of one another. And God, I just I see that over this church, God. The kind of, that's the kind of community that we have. So, Lord, build that in us. Make us a strong family. God, as we finish 2020, our eyes are set on you, Jesus. Our eyes are focused on you. Amen? Amen. As we wrap this up, I want to talk about, uh, continue talking about the importance and how vital it is to be planted in the soil of community. Over this series, we talked about being planted in the soil of God's word, The importance of that, we talked about being planted in the soil of intimacy. That's that place of prayer. It's the secret place. The private place of prayer was just like things just between you and God that no one else knows about. We also talked about being planted in the soil of serving. You know, we we did Jesus didn't come to this earth earth to be served. He's the king of kings and lord of lords. But his kingdom is not like the kingdoms of this world, where the kingdoms of this world are set up for us to serve the king. And all of his needs. Jesus didn't come and do that. Like, here I am, earth, serve me. No, he came as the king to serve. And so we're going to follow that example, being planted in the soil of serving. And then this last soil here is, is being planted in the soil of community. And we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, and I'd, there's so much to say about it. I felt like it, it, we needed to give it another go around here. David wrote this in Psalm chapter 133, verse 1. He said, Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. Now that sounds good, right? Man, man, how good and pleasant it is for brothers when brothers dwell in unity. 
Amen. And so I think sometimes when we read scriptures like this, though, we can sometimes misunderstand that being in godly community is just all nice and neat and clean and all put together. But that's really not the heart of this verse. Let's let's throw that up there for a while because we're going to use this scripture here just for a minute. Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. So I know we're in a worship service today, but I would like to do some math if that's okay. So that's why we have the whiteboard. So here's how we misunderstand this, and we think the formula is this. We think good plus pleasant equals unity, right? Man, if we can just get everything good, if we can just get everything pleasant, then we will have unity. But that's not really what the scripture says, and I just realized I forgot to bring my little paper towel up here, so good thing I have a black shirt. You guys, there's purpose in me wearing black all the time. Here's what the formula more often looks like. Messy. What's messy? Um, misunderstandings. Oh, thank you, Jason. It's very kind of you. Misunderstandings. Um, disagreements. Arguments sometimes. That's messy. Plus, love. Plus, forgiveness. Plus, iron sharpening iron. Plus, patience. Plus, (laughs) endurance. Equals unity. Messiness, misunderstandings, disagreements, you know, uh, etc. Messiness, hurting each other's feelings, plus love, plus forgiveness, plus iron sharpening iron, plus, what's my, oh, patience, plus endurance equals unity, which also equals good and pleasant. This is how we get to good and pleasant. Good and pleasant doesn't get us to unity because that's what we think. We think, we don't understand this right here. We don't understand this formula is what gets us to unity. And we think that good plus pleasant equals unity. So when things aren't good and when they're not pleasant, we think, well, I guess, you know, we, we're out on this because there's no unity. And like, we have to push through all these things to get to unity so that we'll be good and pleasant. Thank you. Amen. But we've got this idealistic, unrealistic picture in our mind of what it looks like to get into that unity. So when it ends up being messy, when it ends up being work, when it ends up taking time, because that's another thing, takes time, endurance, then again, people don't have a real understanding of what it takes to get to good and pleasant. Harvesting unity is a lot like the same thing as harvesting an apple from a tree. 
you got to cultivate soil because you can't, you can't just want to plant your apple seed in any soil. You want to cultivate the soil, make sure it's good soil, plant that seed, nurture that seed, nurture the sprout, nurture the sapling, uh, make sure, protect that thing from, from birds, protect it from insects, make sure that that thing is fertilized, make sure that thing is pruned, and then in about eight to 10 years, you get some fruit. Wow, J.D., that sounds like a lot of work. It is. It's not McDonald's drive-through. It's work. And, and I think that we, we need to understand this, but when you grow your roots and you do the work, you do the work, you grow your roots, you'll produce the fruits, right. I posted this on Facebook. Let me show you this. I posted this on Facebook earlier this week. It said this. It said, um, we have that? Yeah. It's messy, but it works. If you're going to produce godly fruit in your life, you've got to be planted in the soil of community. I was getting all ready for the message. I thought, here's a teaser. And then Rachel, our seeds uh, preschool director, Rachel Weatherby, she posts down here and she says, you know, most of the time, if it's not somewhat messy, it's usually not worth it. I thought that was pretty good. That was noteworthy. And in my experience, I agree with Rachel. If it's all just nice, if it's all just neat, if it's all just clean, it's usually not worth it. Why? Because the most meaningful relationships, the most meaningful community are the ones where you're willing to break through the surface of nice, break through the surface of clean and all put together, and then you get into, let's start pulling some weeds. I don't know if this has ever happened to you. It's quite possible. I know that I'm not the only one that this has happened to, but um, a friend calls you or texts you and they say, hey, uh, we need to meet up for coffee. We need to, to talk or something I need to tell you. And that's just sometimes you get that courtesy. Other times you just like see this thing that your friend posted maybe on social media. Sometimes you hear things through the grapevine. So you meet up with your friend, you know, you're talking about all these like unimportant surfacey issues and you're like, why are we here? Like you called, you wanted to talk to me. What are we here for? So finally they get to it like after an hour of chit chat. And they say, hey, I just want to let you know, um, my wife and I, we're getting a divorce. Maybe it's not that, maybe it's some other kind of big weighty thing. Maybe it's like, hey, our, our finances haven't been doing well and our home is about to get foreclosed on or our business is about to get foreclosed on. Or maybe it's something else. Maybe like, you know, um, I'm, I'm, I had an abortion or I'm gay or I'm, I'm leaving the church or I'm moving out of state and I'm taking a job. It could be any number of these bombs that someone wants to drop on you. And you're like, after a moment of just stunned silence, you ask, so who you been talking to about this? Like, before it got to where it is now, who, who have you been talking to about all this? Well, nobody really. We're just, just trying to work it out on my own. What? I mean, you, you haven't like talked to anybody 
no, just, just working out on my own and just couldn't get it worked out. So it is what it is. And or I, maybe, you know, I tried my best and my best just wasn't good enough. And when I hear things like that, I think to myself, man, if I were in their position in the same circumstances and if I just tried my best, I don't know that I, I, I would be standing either if I had only just tried my best. But here's the deal. God doesn't just require my best. If I stand before God someday and God says, what, what happened in this area of your life over here? I said, well, God, I just tried my best and it didn't work out. And so, you know, it is what it is. Well, yes, child, I, I see that. But you know that this didn't just require your best. It didn't just require your best. It also, it required your best, but it also required for you to go to other people and get their best and bring their best into the situation. It, it involved community and you missed out on that. Just this week, we heard of a very prominent pastor who had to be fired from his church because he met a woman and used a false identity and then began hooking up with her for the last five months until, just, until his wife just found out and blew the whistle. And this is heartbreaking. And, and when I think about this, I think... You know, no pastor one day just wakes up and starts making decisions like that. It happens like this. Say you're driving down I-24, you're going I-24 West into Nashville, and you're on mission, you've got something to do, you've got somewhere to be in town, and all of a sudden this this idea pops in your head, and you're like, oh, I need to go shopping at at the Avenue. Or the guys are like, I I need to go to Sportsman's Warehouse. (laughs) And so it's, it doesn't just like, once the thought pops in your mind, it doesn't just happen. There's a process. You turn on your blinker. You start changing lanes. You start making your way toward the exit ramp. You get on the exit ramp and then you merge onto medical center with the flow of traffic. Just because you have this thought doesn't mean snap, boom, you're there. There's a process to get from where you are going, what's the speed limit? 70 miles an hour? (laughs) I was about to say the speed I normally go, but I plead the fifth. Um, (laughs) You're going 70 miles an hour in the fast lane, which nobody does 70 miles an hour in the fast lane. Oh, they shouldn't. They need to get over And you put on your blinker and you change lanes and then you get on the exit and then you get to the avenue or you drive down to Thompson Lane and you get to Sportsman's Warehouse, man, right? It's not just a snap thing. And, and, I, and again, going back to this story, I don't know every detail of this story. I don't know a lot, everything about the, the culture of this particular church when it comes to being vulnerable and, and revealing struggles that you're dealing with. But one of the first thoughts I heard or, or first thoughts I, I had when I heard this story was... I was upset for this pastor that even before he made the mistake in engaging in this affair, I was upset for him that he felt like he didn't have anybody to talk to. Yeah. 
I was upset that as he had his turning signal on, that he was changing lanes. Before he hit the exit ramp, he didn't feel like it was safe to talk to anybody about what he was thinking about. Now that lack of feeling safe is possible. It maybe it came from the fact that that culture of vulnerability and safety didn't exist in his community, but I very much doubt that. If I had to guess, I feel like that feeling that he had was probably based on a lie of the enemy. That, man, if I say something, if I ask for help, I know I've got my blinker on right now. I know I've got this thought about getting off the interstate right now. I know as I'm changing lanes right now, if I say something to anybody right now, they're going to reject me. That was probably a lie of the enemy. Listen, regardless the pain of going to someone and saying, hey, I need help while he's just got his turning signal on is a lot less than the pain of what he's having to deal with now. Yesterday at the men's breakfast, we were talking about this story and, and Ed Tobin said something I thought it was really good. Ed said this, he says, sometimes we rationalize our way into sin. And in these cases, we fall into the trap of believing rational lies. Rational lies, sometimes we're believing rational lies. They're lies that are, we're being fed from the enemy, and we somehow make sense of them. Well, this makes sense. And this is why it's important, you guys, to be planted in the soil of godly community and be open and vulnerable. Listen, it's possible. We sat at that table yesterday and we talked about this and Ed said this and I said, but you know, we still have personal responsibility to cry out for help because oftentimes we're, sit, we, we're doing life together and we're wearing a mask and we're not being real with our brothers and sisters about what's really truly going on on the inside of us. It's time to pull off the mask and be vulnerable and say, hey, I really do need help. I'm telling you because I have done life with people where they, you, you feel like something's a little off. You feel like something's not just quite 100, but you can't really put your, your finger on it. And maybe you don't feel like you've got enough guts to say something about it, which that's a whole nother thing that we probably ought to get better at in community. And, and they, are struggling with this underlying issue for years and years and years. And maybe it's not always all the time, but there's seasons where there's ups and downs and ups and downs, and you don't know anything about it because they just are faking it in front of everybody. So we've got to be open and vulnerable about what's going on in the inside of us so that brothers and sisters can come alongside of us and be the help to us that God wants to be to us through them. You know, there's not just any area, there's no area of my life that is healthy or fruitful that not only has my best poured into it, but it also has the best of others poured into it. When Jamie and I were facing trouble in our marriage, before it got to the point where the wheels fell off, praise God, we were vulnerable with each other. And we knew if we're going to get healthy, if we're going to... to thrive, our marriage is going to thrive again, we not only have to bring our best, but we now have to invite other people into the story so that they can bring their best. And praise God that has happened, and our marriage is good and thriving again. Praise the Lord. Somebody praise the Lord with me. 
But everywhere where there's any good fruit in my life, whether it's my marriage or parenting or leadership or ministry or finances, whatever it is, it's not just because, look what, we, look what I've done. No, it's like, man, I've leaned on the strength of others that God has brought into my life. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20, Solomon says this. He says, he who walks with wise men will be wise. You guys, strength is not found in isolation. Wisdom is not found in isolation. It's found in community. And it's tragic how many people in the body of Christ are failing in some area of their life because they're trying to figure everything out for themselves. And they're missing out on the strength that can be accessed in the people around them, in the soil, in the nutrient soil that is around them. There's, there's like, I can't think of hardly anything in life that you're supposed to figure out on your own. There are people that God's placed in your life that are full of wisdom in all kinds of areas. They have wise counsel that has come, not only through the, the revelation that God has given to them, but they also have wisdom from the, the years of experience of success and failures that they can draw on. And, you know, they say, you know, um, well, J.D., isn't experience the, the best teacher? Yes, it is, but it doesn't have to be your experience. You can learn from someone else's experience, right? Woo, the Holy Spirit liked that. He's blowing the wind. <laughs> listen, when I, when I come to these people and I listen to what they have to say and then I act on that wisdom, then their strength becomes my strength. But when I disconnect from them, then I disconnect from the strength that God is trying to give to me through them. Listen, when you find yourself getting in, in a place where you feel like you're in over your head, David didn't want the Holy Spirit to blow in here anymore, so he locked that door. <laughs> no, he can blow all through here, amen? When you feel like you're at a place where you're, you're about in over your head, do these two things. Number one, run to God. <laughs> go to God. Don't go hiding from God like Adam and Eve did. You're not going to hide from any, him anyway. You can't hide from him anyway. But you can refuse to go to him. Number one, just go to God and ask him. Say, God, I need help. I need wisdom. I need peace. I need direction. And then number two, go find somebody that is further down the road than you are and say, I need help. I need peace. I need wisdom. I need direction. And let, draw on the, on the strength that they have. Draw on their wisdom. Solomon, wisest man in the Bible besides Jesus himself, he wrote a lot of Proverbs about the value of community. And one of the things that he re reiterates over and over and over again throughout the book of Proverbs is that there is safety in, in community. Yes, there is strength in the community, but there is also safety in community. Let's look here, Proverbs chapter 11, 14. Where there is no counsel, the people fail. When people are not willing enough to go ask for help, people fail. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Proverbs 15, 22. Without counsel, plans go awry. But in the multitude of counselors, they are established. Proverbs 24, 6. For by wise counsel, you will wage your own war. And in a multitude of counselors, there is 
safety. God's word tells us that when we make decisions in the multitude of counselors, that we are operating from a place of safety. So when we step out and make decisions on our own, then we're, we're outside of the place of safety. I'm not saying that bad things are going to happen to you, but I'm saying that you're making yourself vulnerable in ways that you don't have to. We're called to make decisions in community. The challenge is that it requires humility and it requires submission. It takes humility to ask other people for counsel and help, no matter what your age is, no matter what your skill sets are, no matter what resources you have at your disposal. It takes humility. When I was a young leader, I didn't ask for counsel like I should have often. Sometimes I did. Sometimes I didn't because I felt like maybe I just had to prove myself and show everybody how anointed I was. That was stupid. I was young and stupid. That's like, I don't know, walking around with like a $200 pair of of jeans and your flies unzipped. It's like, stupid. What did I know? These things just come to me. You know, I know some preachers that would have gone, yes, Lord. Mm -hmm. Yes, I'll say that. No, God did not tell me to say that. Listen, young people, you think that by not asking for help that you're proving to everybody how strong you are, that you've got it all together, but the only thing that you're proving to anyone is how immature you are. Listen, I've been there. I've done that. I got a drawer full of those t-shirts and I don't want any more. I don't want it anymore. How about instead of proving that you've got it all together, how about we, like 1 Peter 5, 5 tells us to do, we clothe ourselves with humility. And we ask for help and we ask for wisdom and we help, ask for counsel. Now listen, I'll say this, I picked on the young people. But now, as you get older, sometimes it doesn't just automatically get any easier because now you're at a stage in life where, well, you're supposed to have it all together, right? I mean, you're, you're older and you're supposed to, you know, had all these successes and be the expert and have resources at your disposal. You're supposed to know everything, be strong enough. And you feel like, man, I... I really need help, but I don't feel like I can ask for help. Listen, if you don't have the wisdom and the counsel that you need, then you don't have the wisdom and the counsel that you need. So that, that no matter how old you are or how young you are, no matter how experienced or inexperienced you are, draw on your community. Draw on the safety of making decisions in the multitude of counselors. Listen, being planted in the soil of community and growing there, it requires humility no matter what your age or your situation is. Along with humility to ask for the counsel, we've got to submit to honoring any of the godly counsel that we receive. Because again, as a young person living in godly community, you're exposed to a lot of godly wisdom and counsel. 
But that doesn't mean that you submit to all that godly wisdom and counsel. So we've got that responsibility now. For some of us, one of the areas that we've got to work on is allowing godly community to test and judge and weigh what it is that we think that we're hearing from the Lord. 1 Corinthians 14, 29 tells us clearly that when we think that we're hearing the Lord say something, that we ought to share with others and allow them to judge what we have heard. Now, as you submit what you're hearing and what you submit what you're feeling to your spiritual leaders and to the community in your life, you, you, you sometimes are going to find that you're not off. You're not off, but sometimes your spiritual leaders in your community will say, mm, this is good, but let's watch the timing here. Let's discern the timing. Um, some of us, we've got these personalities that as soon as we get the download from the Lord, it's like, boom, we want to rush out. Let's go climb the mountain. Let's do it. Let's conquer. Let's plant the flag on the summit. Yes. We've already like got it all pictured out in our mind, right? Let's do it. And then your, your godly leaders and community are like, hey, that's great. That's awesome. I'm that bears witness with me. God's calling you to do that. Now let's, let's do this in the right time. Let's not do that in the winter time. Let's let the snow cap melt. Okay. Cause you're going to make it a lot harder for yourself. You might die. <laughs> let's make sure that you're clothed properly, that you've got the proper footwear. Let's make sure that you're packing the right supplies and the right amount of supplies. Let's make sure that you're adequate, adequately rested before you hit the trailhead and so forth. And we're like, oh, I just want to go. I just want to go do it now. I probably have told this story. Uh, I know I tell it in DNA. But when Jamie and I, over a period of um, about a year, were discerning whether or not the Lord was calling us to plant Seeds Church, part of that process, not at the very end of the process, but somewhere towards the last third, I went to my pastor who I was serving at the time, Dan Scott. And I said, Dan, I think maybe that God is calling us to do this, plan a church, but I'm not 100% sure. And uh, man, he was so encouraging. He said, well, you need to figure this out. You need to really hear from God about this. This is important. And, and I just wanna give honor where honor is due Man, what a wonderful leader to have served that when I went to go say that to him, he wasn't, he didn't feel threatened or, you know, like I was coming for his job or anything like that. He was just so supportive. It was a man who has a lot of wisdom and counsel, but he says, you need to figure this out. And he goes, once you do figure it out, make sure that you step out in the right timing, that you follow God's timing as you plant this church, because the fact is, is that this church that you're serving in now needs still a good youth pastor. That was the, the area of, of uh, responsibility that I was working in at, at Christ Church. And if you get the download from the Lord and you just quit tomorrow, then it really kind of leaves us high and dry. And it really puts your family at a disadvantage because you just left a, a paycheck. <laughs> and I was like, oh, wow, thank you. And of course, I... I wasn't thinking in that way, but it was still just good for him to just plainly, clearly say that and encourage me in that way. And so what did we do? It was 
a whole nother year. That was in the spring of 2016. And then by the end of the spring, we had discerned that the Lord was calling us to plant this church. And that it wasn't until the fall of 2017 that when we did plant the church. Thank God for godly wisdom and counsel and community. And it wasn't just Dan that we, we invited into the story for wisdom and counsel. We invited other people, other church planners, other organizations who had done this before. Praise God. You'll find in community, sometimes it's the thing that God uses to keep you from rushing ahead. And it'll be sometimes the biggest test of whether or not you'll get ahead of God's timing. And it can be tough to submit. It can be tough to listen and hear what God has to say. But sometimes it's important when we hear to pump the brakes because a lots of people who refuse to bring what it is that they think that they're hearing from the Lord and bring it and submit it to other believers and other godly leaders in their life, a lot of times those people go out and they make unwise decision after unwise decision after unwise decision, and it's heartbreaking. You know, it's not easy to adjust your pace to walk in community because, hey, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together, right? And community is slow, but if you allow the community to set the pace for big decisions in your life, for things that you feel like God's talking to you about, then you're going to find that, again, the community, there's, there's blessing there, and you're going to end up in the right timing for whatever it is that God wants to do. So God speaks, we know, he speaks through the scripture, he speaks through the voice of his Holy Spirit, his spirit bearing witness with our spirit, or our, I should say our spirit bearing witness with his spirit. But God also speaks through people. So when we disconnect from community, we disconnect from one of the ways that God is wanting to speak to us through. Very often God puts his voice inside of somebody then God requires us to be in relationship with that person somehow. The hard part is that that not every person that God speaks through is perfect. There's a lot of imperfect people, and God still chooses to speak through them. It would be a lot easier if God only spoke through people who were just absolutely perfect. You know, it would be a lot easier. It would be a lot easier if God always just spoke through people who always had a great attitude or had superb communication skills and all the right information. But that doesn't describe any of us. (laughs) We're still works in progress, praise God. But the message that comes through the messengers, we've got to learn how to discern and receive those even if we see these imperfections in the messengers. We've got to learn how to discern still the Holy Spirit speaking through these people, even if people don't have it all together. Sometimes we dismiss the voice of God because we don't like the imperfect person that he chose to speak to us through. We, we've got to be able to discern, even if, not, even if everything they say is not 100% accurate, even if they have the wrong attitude. I'll tell you another story. Um, one time, Jamie and I were serving at a church, and uh, there was some transition that was happening, and it was really changing the cultural dynamic that we really valued that was part of, of how that church led and operated. 
and things were changing. We weren't, we weren't very happy about it. We didn't really go around grumbling and complaining about it, but, you know, we just were not as supportive of the changes, visibly supportive of the changes as a lot of other people were. Uh, we weren't kiss-ups. So um, a lot of what we did or said got misconstrued and got twisted and it got back to the senior pastor. And uh, he was just not very happy about that. He thought this was like a show of like rebellion or insurrection or something. And that was just not our heart at all. But he called Jamie and I in to have a meeting with us. And as we we're getting ready to go in that meeting, I just looked at Jamie and I said, hey, we're going to go in here with humility, hearts of humility and submission. We're not even going to go in there and defend ourselves. We know that we're going to get accused of, of doing or saying things that aren't 100% accurate, but we're just going to sit there and take it with a heart of humility and submission. And so sure enough, we went in there and we just were quiet and not giving the silent treatment, not that kind of quiet, but just a quietness of just hearing what they had to say the senior pastor and his wife, and they were saying all these things that came to them via third party. <laughs> and the things that were said, again, were taken out of context, were twisted. But, you know, some of the things that they said were accurate. And we could have got defensive. We could have said, well, that's not, that's not exactly the way that that happened. That's not what I said. That's not what I meant. This person is twisting that. We could have been very defensive. And then we wouldn't have received the actual true things, what it was that they had to say to us. The, the good correction that they had to give to us. And I know, I know that pastor. We're in a great relationship today. But he, if, if I had showed that I wasn't submissive and I wasn't had a heart of humility, he would have fired me on the spot. Because I saw him do it to other people. <laughs> Who deserved it? I was in a meeting one time. I was in a meeting one time called in because I was just a random observer of something that had happened. So I had to just come and bear witness and this meeting was super awkward. And this guy that got accused of doing something, he just got super upset and threw his phone across the room and stormed out and went to his office, cleaned his office out and left because he knew that his butt was fired right then when he threw his phone across the room. So I knew, I was like, this isn't just about <laughs> salvaging my job here, but it really was about, I want to really truly have a heart of humility and submission. And the Lord did speak some things of correction to us through that meeting. Again, not everything that they had to say was accurate. Not everything that they had to say was true. There was things that were misconstrued. There were things that were misunderstood. But we sat there and we took it. And you know what? We gained influence in their eyes. We walked out of that meeting and they were shocked. And later we had an, another encounter with them. And they said, you know, that day that we had that meeting with you, we thought that was gonna go down way different. And you showed us something different. We, we thought you were gonna behave one way, but you, you didn't, you reacted another way. They said, man, the cream always rises to the top. I was like, wow, what a compliment. And I give glory to God for that. And I thank God that we went into that meeting with humility and submission and heard the good things that it is they had to say amidst of the things that were not 100% accurate. I mean, their attitude toward us wasn't, wasn't right on because it wasn't coming from a place with all the 100% truth. 
So instead of being defensive, we sat there in humility and submission, and we said, okay, we will course correct. We will get in line. It was all this right here. It was messy, love, forgiveness, iron sharpening iron, patience, endurance. And then we, we, did, we, we walked in unity. It was beautiful. People have got different communication styles sometimes. People are flawed. Sometimes they're misunderstood. This is why, it's, again, it's essential to have humility when we're in community so that it gives us the ability to listen well. One last thing here. Another reason why it's important to listen well to your community and bring things that you feel like the Lord is speaking to you and, and when you need help, go, go to them. It's because although I wished I had a perfect 360-degree view of my life, I don't. I have blind spots. I have blind spots in my life, things that are going on in my life that I just, I can't see. You do too. But you know who can see my blind spots? The people that I allow to come and speak into my life. And sometimes I'm like, man, I'm so thankful for what it is they have to say because they've just saved me from accidentally changing lanes and bumping into another vehicle and, and getting in a wreck with my life. And sometimes I'm like, oh, are you kidding me? There's a car over here. There's something over here in my life. And I don't always want to hear it, but I'm thankful for it. Listen, I'm not saying that every single person in your life gets that same level of access to bring correction or input in your life, but you do have to have trustworthy people in your inner circle that can see your blind spots and let you know what it is that they see. And you might wonder, well, can't the Lord just speak to me and I just hear him and you know, he can show me what it is that he wants me to see? He can show me my blind spots? Well, yes, and God does speak. We often have a, a hearing problem though. Listen, discipleship is relational, and just because we don't want to be in discipleship doesn't mean that God is, bypasses the process. It's required. God's plan is that we be in people with relationships who can speak into our lives and challenge us and encourage us. We cannot live isolated lives and expect God to speak to us apart from being in relationship with godly people and godly community. If we don't listen to the godly voices around us, we're going to miss out on what God is trying to say to us. You guys, being planted in the soil of community, it's messy, but it's worth it. And it's just part of the process. You can't get out there and plant and, and cultivate soil and nurture something without getting your hands dirty. It's worth it. If we want our roots to grow deep, be rooted in the Lord so that our root system is able to support what's happening above the soil with our life, that our, our, the, the tree of our life can grow up strong and it can produce much fruit that lasts then we've got to be planted in the soil of community. Amen. Let's pray. God, this is what we want. We make our declaration to you today that we, through the messiness 
through the uncomfortableness, through the pain and the embarrassment sometimes, we still, we want to be planted in the soil of community because we know it's your process for us to grow our roots and to bear the fruits. So we say yes to it. We say yes to being planted in the soil of your word. We say yes to being planted in the soil of intimacy. We say yes to being planted in the soil of serving. And we say yes to being planted in the soil of community. God, I I pray for those of us here that maybe have been rejecting soil, rejecting the idea of truly being planted or maybe they're, they're showing the appearance of being planted, but they're not truly being vulnerable. They're not truly asking for wisdom and counsel and help like they need to. God, wake us up. Give us strength to press through, to break through the, the surface of clean and nice and neat, and let's get to the nitty-gritty. Because, God, we truly, again, we want to bear the fruit. So, Lord, again, those who need help with this, give us strength. Give, give us the courage to go to somebody. For those of us, God, that we feel like maybe it's not necessarily even the courage of going to somebody. Maybe we just don't even feel like we have anybody. Lord, I pray that if that's really a lie of the enemy, that you would obliterate that lie, that you would destroy it, that you would crush it into a million pieces and make it so obvious that there are people in their life that they can be in community with. God, if, if we feel like that we're just so shy and we've not made connections, God, I pray again, you, you give people boldness to make connections. You bring people to be in their way, godly people. Again, so that we can grow our roots deep. We can avoid the pitfalls, the blind spots. We can draw strength, God, from community. We can draw safety from community. Be the people who you've called us to be. Do the things that you've called us to do. Would you stand up with me? Lord, I just pray right now over those of us in this community that have wisdom in various areas of strength. God, I pray that um, if we have untapped wisdom, that you would help connect us with people that we can be a blessing to. God, that we not let pride, any pride, no matter where we are, what our situation is, no matter how old we are, no matter how experienced we are, no matter what our resources are, we not allow pride to stay in our way of saying, hey, I need help. Or we not allow pride to stay in our way of saying, hey, can I help you? Holy Spirit, we just truly want to be a community that reflects your kingdom, your family. Shape us, mold us make us into the body of Christ with every part, with every joint fit together. Lord, I pray today for those of us that may be here or watching online, feel alone. Maybe they don't even just feel alone from people, but they might feel alone from your spirit. 
Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would come and you'd be there and comfort them right now. People, God, that maybe they've not ever surrendered their life to the Lordship of Jesus. God, I just pray right now, if you're here in this room or if you're watching online, that you would just make that quality decision right now. Jesus, I give you my life. I turn my life over to you. You be in charge. You be the king of me. You be Lord over me. You be in charge. I give my life to serve you. Forgive me of doing things my way. Forgive me of my sin. I turn to you. Make me clean. Make me new. Use me. Disciple me. Holy Spirit, I just pray right now for those people in that situation. I thank you that you're doing regenerative regenerative work in their spirit right now. You're making the old man, you're burying the old man, you're making a new man come alive. Old things are passed away, all things have become new. And God, I thank you that you're not leaving them to follow you, to be discipled, to be a disciple of you on their own. But God, I pray you bring these people into community, into godly community. God, I pray for the needs of our congregation, the needs of our church family. As we're living in uncertain times, God, I thank you that your kingdom is certain and the ways of your kingdom are certain. And we rest in that and we lean on that and we abide in that. So God, where people are having struggles, where they need answers, Holy Spirit, I pray that you're speaking answers to them speaking to them through your word, speaking them to them by the voice of your spirit and speaking to them through the voice of community. God, where people need healing in their bodies, God, I pray that you bring it in the name of Jesus. Lord, that I don't care how many times that they need to go get prayed for, they'd stop, they, they would never get sick of asking for prayer for healing in their bodies, God, for wholeness in their bodies, because we're believing that we, what your, your word says is true, Jesus, that by your stripes that we are healed, we're healed in our souls and we're healed in our bodies. Lord, that we would ask for prayer and ask for people to lay hands on us because your word says that when we lay hands on the sick that they will recover. God, I pray you charge our faith for miracles. You charge our faith to bring your kingdom from heaven to here in Middle Tennessee. Lord, those of us that want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, I just pray you meet these people just like they received salvation by faith through Jesus, they would receive the gift of your Holy Spirit filling them by faith. We pray these things in the powerful, mighty, and matchless name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening. Stay connected with us at SeedsChurchTN.com and on social media. Our mission at Seeds Church is to help people discover who God created them to be and equip them to do what He called them to do. One of the easiest ways you can help us accomplish our mission is by simply sharing this podcast. You can do so by subscribing, leaving a review on iTunes, or sharing it with your friends on Facebook. Thanks again for listening. We hope to see you soon.